This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. What's going on, 5 p.m.? How are you guys doing tonight? Good? Hey, man, I'm excited that you're here. We're in this series called The ABCs of Financial Freedom, and we're in week three. And today, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Colby. I'm the pastor here. And today we are covering the letter B, all right, in our ABCs. And the letter B stands for bondage. Now, last week we talked about the A. We talked about our attitude, our, our approach, and we showed four different pictures uh, that could represent where your current financial picture is and where God, you know, wants us to be. So today, though, we're going to talk about bondage, all right? And this is, this is what I want to do. I want to start out like this. I got a question for you guys. How many of you, let's just be honest tonight, would say, you know what? I wish I had just a little bit more money. If that's you, raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Raise them up high. Yeah, it's almost everybody, right? You just want a little bit more. Maybe you don't make quite enough. You just want a little bit more. Dave Ramsey says, money's fun if you got some. Money's fun if you got some. In fact, right now, turn to your neighbor and look him in the eye and say, money's fun if you got some. Go ahead, come on, have a little fun. Let's play along. Get loosened up. The reality is, though, right, a lot of people don't got some. We don't got a lot. In fact, I'll say this, the reason why is because many of us are in bondage to debt. And the reality is, most of the time, we did that to ourselves. We have made some really stupid financial decisions. Anybody ever make a stupid financial decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most of us, right? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) Or you're 12 years old and you haven't made a dumb financial decision yet. Let's talk about the elephant in the room or the chicken on the feet. This represents someone's stupid financial decision right here. I picked these up yesterday at the Salvation Army. Like somebody got these, right? Used them for maybe a day, I don't know, and then gave them away. And the reality is many of us make these dumb financial decisions. And if I keep these on my feet, you guys aren't gonna pay attention to anything that I say, get out of here, chickens. How about I tell you one of my stupid financial decisions? Would you like that? Yeah, because see, I know you enjoy hearing about your pastor's dysfunction, so that's cool. I appreciate that. (laughs) Have you ever been up late at night and you've seen those commercials? Not those kind of commercials, all right? (laughs) Different commercials. I'm talking about the ones that that advertise and sell the, the brand new exercise equipment. Like the never before seen, never before done. This is a brand new thing. You got to try it out. Like they had Tony Little's Gazelle rider on there for a little while. Or the, the shake weights. You remember that? That was a bad idea, wasn't it? That was awful. The shake weights. Now, I didn't get one of those. I didn't get the Gazelle. I didn't get the shake weights. But what I did buy into, all right, just being honest, transparent, is this right here. The Bowflex. 
Anybody? Anybody? No? Man, we had people this morning did the Bowflex. Listen, um, I saw that thing, and they always get you, like, right when you, you need it the most, right? You're midnight, you've just binge ate, like, 12 donuts, you know, and you're sitting there, and you're feeling guilty, and then the Bowflex comes on. And it's, like, the most amazing piece of equipment ever. Like, this one machine, like, you could do bench press, you know, uh, curls, leg curls, tricep extension, squats, anything you want, like 60 exercises. I get Kristen, I'm like, Kristen, this is the most amazing thing in the world. The Bowflex, like, you don't realize how much money I can save not going to the gym if I just, you know, for four easy installments of $2.99, which... They trick you, right? They do that, and then they do that red X thing, and for a limited time only. It's not $2.99, it's $1.99. So for four easy installments of 200 bucks, that could be yours. So your pastor bought into that thing. And you know what? I used it, and I'm not kidding, maybe five times. That's it. Like five times, the rest of the time it sat in our basement and made a really good place to hang our dirty laundry and to put clothes and all that. And I've made some stupid financial decisions. I've done stupid with zeros on the end of it. And you have too. Many of us in this room, like we've made some dumb decisions. Now, as we talk through the series, the goal is not for you to sit there and feel guilty or feel ashamed, you know, for the decisions that you made. The goal really is to do better. The goal is for us from this point on to to get financially free, not to live locked up in a prison of debt, but to experience liberty in our finances, not to, to for our finances to create panic, right, in our lives, but to create peace. And so let's start with God's word today. This is going to uh, be the verse that helps to drive this entire study tonight, and that is found in Proverbs 22, 7. It says this, the rich rule over the poor, And the borrower, right, that's the person who is in debt, is what? Is, say it out loud, servant to the lender. So the borrower, right, the borrower is servant to the lender. The the borrower is the Hebrew word abed, which is translated as meaning uh, a slave, someone who is in bondage to. So the rich rule over the poor, and the, the person who is in bondage is in bondage to the, the lender. Debt holds us in bondage. Debt keeps us locked in a, in a prison uh, in our finances. Now, most people don't run around saying that. Like, you don't run around telling people, hey, you know what? I'm locked in a prison of, of debt. You know, I'm in bondage to money. We don't say that, but you do say things that imply that. For example, you might say, you know, I really want to get married to my girlfriend, but... We don't have enough money to do it right now. What you're saying without saying it is that you're in bondage, that you're in debt. You might be saying, you know what, we'd really like to have a family, but we're not sure we can afford it right now. Or or we'd like to have another child, but but you know what, we feel a little strapped as it is right now. Or you might say, we want to adopt one day. But, right, and without saying it, what you're saying is you're in bondage, you're enslaved to your Finances, the borrower is slave to the lenders and servant to the lender. Maybe for you, you'd say, I hate my job. Don't like doing what I'm doing. I don't feel called to do this, but, you know, this is what pays the bills, even though you don't like it. You feel stuck. You feel strapped. You feel trapped. Some people I hear a lot say, I'd really love to help someone in need. 
You might say, I'd love to, to feed those, you know, who are less fortunate, to feed the hungry, but, you know, I got three kids of my own that, that you know, I need to, to feed. And what you're saying is, I can't do it. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I hear people say all the time, I'd love to go on a missions trip, but, you know, I can't afford it. Or I'd love to, to give above and beyond my tithes through an offering, but I can't do it. So what people say without saying it is that they're in bondage. They're in debt. They're stuck. You imply it by what you say. Now, I want to show you four statistics about uh, Americans. And the first one is this. This one's going to shock you. It's going to stun most of you in this room. The average household debt in the U.S. is 136% of the household income. That's insane. That means that whatever it is that you make in your household income, you owe that plus an additional 36 percent. Like, like if, if I operated the church with that kind of mindset that we spend 136 percent of the budget, I would tell you, you need to go to another church, right? This guy is insane. That is poor financial management. That's, that's dangerous. But the average person owes 136 percent of their income. Let me give you another one about credit cards. Um, for those carrying a balance, the average credit card debt is $14,517. For those carrying a balance on their credit card. So that's, that's a lot of belts, ladies. That's a lot of shoes, right? That's a lot of earrings. That's, that's a lot of shake weights, guys. That's a lot of bow flexes. Like that's, that's some serious debt. But watch this. The average 21-year-old, 21 owes $12,000, 21. And in seven short years, from the age 21 to 28, that jumps to this, $78,000. Like, no wonder people that are just getting started in their marriages struggle. No wonder there's so much stress, right? So much anxiety, so much worry. We live in a world where we are in financial bondage. We are strapped. We are in debt. The last one is the scariest of all. The average number of U.S. households living paycheck to paycheck is 55%. And some studies say it's even higher than that, it's 61%. That means, right, if we split this room in half, half of you in this room, if you did not get paid or if you lost your job, you could not pay your mortgage, you couldn't pay your rent, you couldn't pay the car payment. Like, you'd have to figure out how are we going to feed our family and half of the world, over half of the world, is living that way. So when people say, Colby, why on earth would you talk about money in church? That's why. Because this is the reality. This is the world that, that we are living in. This is the state of our finances here in the U.S. And the Bible says so much about money, that money is really the most visible measurement of the condition of your heart talks over and over about money in the Bible. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus tells, the stories that he tells, have to do with our money and our possessions. Like one in 10 verses in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have to do with our money and how we handle it and manage it. Scripture is loaded with teachings about money. And how we steward it is one of the best outward indicators of our inward spiritual condition. And you know what? We're not meant to serve money. We are called to serve God, and money is to be a tool to serve us while we serve God. So we just decided, hey, we're not going to live that way. 
We're not gonna be in bondage. We're not gonna be you know, servant to the lender, that we're gonna be able to capitalize on the opportunities that God brings our way. And I'm praying that this church grabs a hold of this teaching today because this really is going to be the most practical teaching in this series. Now, before we dive in, I wanna give you one rule. This, this is a crazy rule. This is a crazy idea that if you're 70 years old or older, like you would remember this rule. The rest of you, you're gonna hear this rule and you're gonna go, what? What's that about? You know, what are you, what are you talking about? But those who are 70 years and older, you operated by this rule for most of your, your life. This is what drove your decisions financially and it goes like this. If you don't have money to buy something you want, you can't buy it. I see a lot of blank stares. What? What do you mean? Let me say it again, all right? I'm gonna say it slower. In fact, let's put it up on the screen, all right? If you don't have money to buy something you want, you can't buy it. And I know that's crazy. That's radical thinking, right? And you're like, man, I still don't understand. What do you mean? I I got my credit card. I got some other ways that that I can get what I want when I want it right now. No, this this is the rule that people operated by forever, that you actually had to have money in order to buy what you wanted. And now let me tell you how quickly this rule changed. It's because before the the Great Depression here in America, only 2%, 2% of people that that had a house carried a mortgage on their house. 98% of people owned it outright, free and clear, before the Great Depression. 40 years later, only four decades later, only 2% of people in America actually owned their house. 98% of people carried a mortgage on it. Like that's how quickly this whole thing changed. And so now there's been this shift in our culture, in our, in our generation. What happened is now we live in this instant gratification kind of economy where if you want something now, you can like get it right now. That's the generation that we're living in. And a lot of times people knock the millennials and say the millennials, you know, have this entitlement mentality. Listen, I think millennials are an incredible generation. I think you have more, more tools at your disposal, like to, to really uh, make a difference, to make an impact than ever before. I think there's a lot of potential with that generation. I will say this to the millennials, you're gonna have to fight this hard because all you've known in your whole life is this, I want it now, I'll get it now kind of mentality. You've grown up in that kind of world where you can bust out your phone, right, immediate downloads. You want something delivered to your house, now you can break out your phone and get a a drone to deliver ice cream. I think they're trying that out someplace. Like, it's crazy. I was watching the the March Madness tournaments, uh, the games on last night, and there's this commercial on one of the the old Pacers players was on and had that Alexa, Google Alexa thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't don't know anything about it, but it's Alexa. He says, Alexa, you know, I need some more Coke. And Alexa said, all right, you know, you can get some more Coke. And it's two hours, you know, free delivery, Amazon Prime free delivery, two hours. Like, that's the world that we live in. You want it now? You can have it right now. And so it's this entitlement kind of mindset. So what happens is those who are in this generation, 25 years and old, you know, and older, like, you you want what your parents had, but you want it now. You want the same kind of house they had. 
You want the same kind of car that they, they drove, not realizing that it took them years to get to that place where they could afford it. You want the same kinds of vacations. You're like, I deserve this, and I want it now. So what we have, in all honesty, is a generation here in America of financial fakers, of pretenders. You got the stuff, but you don't really own any of it. Like, like you got the stuff, right? But the stuff owns you. The borrower is servant to the lender. So that's what we are, are seeing. And the Bible addresses this very plainly in Proverbs 13, 7. It says, one man does what? Say it out loud. One man pretends. He's a pretender. He's a faker. Pretends to be rich, yet he actually has nothing. It's all fake. It's all pretend. It's a, it's a facade. In fact, there are three groups of people here in America. There are the, the haves and the have-nots, and then there are those who have not paid for what they got, right? <laughs> Honestly, they're pretenders. They're fakers. They're in debt. They're in bondage, and it's killing us. That's why I want to give you three essential values. In fact, the, the values that I'm going to give you tonight, these really apply to any area of your life, not just finances. However, I want us to talk through them and look at them with the financial, through financial lenses, because these really are essential to you and I being able to get free to come out of, out of bondage financially. And the first one is this, if you want to write it down, self-control. Everybody, in fact, let's play along. Say it with me, self-control. Self-control. Like, that's a terrible word, isn't it? Nobody wants to say that. Like, smile and say self-control. Self-control. Like, it's awful. And the reason why it's awful is because this is extremely hard to do. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks what? Self-control. And if you don't have financial self-control, you're like a city without walls. You are defenseless against the attacks of the enemy. You are vulnerable to, to debt. You have no defense against debt. With no self-control, you will end up in trouble. You're like a city without walls. The problem is self-control is tough. It's difficult, right? Because there's a little kid inside all of us that throws a fit when we want something and we want it now. And it, it used to be like you, you're in the grocery store and you'd see the little kid in the grocery store that wants the candy bar or that wants the toy. And they're like, ah, I want it, I want it now, right? They're throwing a fit. But what happens is that kid grows up and it's no longer a candy bar that you want. It's, it's a dress. It's a ring. It's a new, you know, purse, right? It's, it's, it's something else. That little kid comes alive inside of us and we want it, and we want it now. Let me talk to the ladies real fast, all right, ladies? I don't want to mean to call you out. I'm going to call out the guys in a minute. But ladies, you can nickel and dime this thing to death. Like, honestly. Like, you know, you'll go and say, here, let me just say this. If you bought something on sale, it does not mean you're saving money. I know that's hard to believe. If you got something even on the sale rack, right, at Kohl's, it does not mean 
that you're saving money. Because this is what I hear all the time. Well, you know, I went to Kohl's. You know, I had Kohl's cash, so I had to use it by the end of the month. I had to take it there. How did you get Kohl's cash in the first place? You bought something, right, in order to get that. So you take it to Kohl's, and you're like, plus I got a 30% off thing in the mail. Kohl's is like genius, by the way. So they send you those things, and you go, and and you cash out, and here's what the person tells you at the register. You just saved $132,000 on this purchase. (laughs) And you're like, oh, you spent $500, But look what you saved, $132,000. How does coal stay in business, right? There's no way. Just because you got it on sale, ladies, does not mean you're saving money. And it's it's a little bit over time. It's a belt here, some shoes there, something to match your hairdo, you know, whatever it is, I don't know. Guys, just so you don't feel left out, you do this too. But you don't nickel and dime it. You go big or go home. You roll up at home one day and say, honey, I just got a timeshare. Me and my neighbors went in and we bought a timeshare together, right? Like you don't even like your neighbors. It doesn't matter. Or you'll say, hey, look out the window. That's my new truck right there. What's it pulling? My boats, right? Like guys, you just go big on this thing. And we have to learn the value of self control or you're never going to get free. You're never going to get out of bondage. So here's what we need to learn to say is no. You ready? Say it with me. One, two, three. No. That was terrible. Like some of you, you said it okay. No. Others of you, you say no like that, you're going to end up pregnant before midnight. All right, let's try it again. <laughs> and say it. Say it like you mean it. No. no. Yeah, that's good. We got to learn how to say No, so let's practice, all right? Because I told you, this is practical. Ladies, here's your question. We're gonna practice. Do you really have to get your nails done twice a month? Yes or no? Somebody said yes. (laughs) No. Not if you wanna get out of debt, you don't. Not if you want to kind of be financially free, you don't. And can can I just tell the ladies that have to get their nails done, just honestly, guys don't care about your nails. Like, I've never once heard a guy say, hey, look at the set of nails on her. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> honestly, has anybody ever heard that? Never. You think they're real? You know, are they fake? I don't know, I don't know. I've never once heard that in my life. So ladies, try again. Do you have to get your nails done twice a month, yes or no? No, no you don't. Hey, guys, here's your turn. Summer's coming. It's golf season. Uh Uh-oh. Guys, do you have to go play golf twice a month? Yes or no? No, of course not. You really don't. Not if you want to get out of debt. Not if you want to be free financially. And you can apply this to anything. Like, do you really really need that $4 cup of coffee every single day? Yes. Man, this is tough with you guys. I don't know if there's any hope. Let's just shut it down. No. The answer is no. Not if you want to be free. Does your 12-year-old really need the new iPhone? No. And I know for some of you it's like child abuse if your 10-year-old doesn't have a phone. Listen, let them learn a little bit. And I'm not saying don't have any of that stuff, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying get out of debt first. 
Get free first and then get the iPhone. Get free and then, and then play golf, guys. Get free, ladies. Get your nails done every single week. I don't care. And pretend that that's what guys like. Put those little diamonds on them or whatever. But get free first. Get out of debt. Practice self-control. In fact, write this down right here. You gotta say no for now so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. Learn to say no now so that you can say yes for the rest of your life. Have self-control. The second word, all right, is sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. Man, these are tough words, aren't they? Self-control, sacrifice. There's one common thread throughout Scripture. It's the sacrificial theme of Christianity. And Hebrews 12, 2 says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, and you're like, what joy? The joy of him being obedient to his father, the joy that he would have seeing you and I be given access to God because of his sacrifice, that joy. He's saying for that joy set before him, he endured the cross, he sacrificed. And at our church, we define sacrifice like this. Write it down. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Giving up something that you love for something you love even more. Maybe you love wasting your life watching cable television all day. But what you'd love even more is this summer going on a a debt-free vacation and not having to pay for it for the next three years. And so what do you do? You give up something you love, watching cable television, maybe for a year, so that you can have something that you love even more, debt-free vacation to Cancun or wherever it is you want to go. It's what sacrifice is. Maybe you want a bigger house. Maybe you want to have more, more room, but you love that. But what you love even more is for one of you to stay at home and be a stay-at-home mom or be a stay-at-home home dad. Or maybe what you love even more is to be able to send your kids to, to a private school. So you give up something that you love, having a, a bigger house, having more stuff for something that you love even more. Family, valuing that time together. That's what sacrifice is. Maybe... Maybe you love having lunch every day, you know, going to lunch every day at work. And it's really easy, isn't it, to just go out, get lunch, a $7 sandwich here, an $8 burrito there. You get a $2 drink, and you've just spent 10 bucks like that every single day. So you love going to lunch, but maybe what you love even more is no car payments. So you give up something that you love. It's called sacrifice for something that you love even more. In fact, I read an article that said, if you would just brown bag it to work every single day, instead of going out and buying lunch, you would save, in the course of your lifetime, $135,000 just by brown bagging it. You're giving up something you love for something that you love even more, no car payments, being free that way. And I'm not saying that's what you got to do. I'm just saying that's what sacrifice is. Maybe you love to go to lunch, but you would love more being free and strapped to that that car payment. And some of you are saying, I don't even think that's possible. I'm here to tell you it is. In fact, take a look at this. So how much difference do you think you could make if you had freedom like that? 
Honestly, if you broke the mold and decided we're not gonna be strapped to this payment, we're not going to live in debt. Like, think about what you could do through sacrifice, through having self-control. And through the last one, write this down, it's strategy. Strategy. Self-control, sacrifice, and strategy. Jesus said this in Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough what? Money, yeah. Like you just don't go start building, you know, without counting your cost. You don't just spend money if you don't know if you have it or not. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Here's the deal. It's really easy for us to wander into debt, but I promise you, you're not going to wander out of it. Like you're going to have to have a strategy. And in my opinion, the best financial strategist really is Dave Ramsey. That's where that video comes from uh, through his organization. Like, like as far as uh, this plan, this process, I mean, he really, you know, ha- has nailed it. In fact, I would just say this. I'd love to be able to sit down and, and, and take the time to go through the budgeting and go through all the steps that he talks about with you tonight. But the next time we offer a financial peace university, you got to get in because that really is kind of the process. But I'm going to give you tonight the first two baby steps that he gives us. Because these really are foundational, and this is really where many of us are. In fact, the first one is this. Write it down. You got to save a 1000 bucks for emergencies. That's the first baby step he would tell you to do. Now, last week, I kind of poked fun at that a little bit, saying, like, that's really hard. Like, how am I supposed to do that if I can't pay my bills, if I can't keep up, if I'm just living paycheck to paycheck? And I'm going to address that in just a moment. But I first want to talk about why you do it. Like, why, why would we save this thousand bucks for emergencies? Here's why. Life happens. Like, stuff happens, doesn't it? Things break. Cars get flat tires. Refrigerators stop working. Balls get hit through windows of your house, right? Your kids put marbles in their nose, and you got to take them to the ER to get it out. Like, junk happens, right? So the question is, you know, we know Why? Because we want to have that margin. We need to have a little bit of a buffer in there. But Colby, how? Like, how do we do that? Honestly, for you, I can't answer that. I can't answer how you're going to do it. I'm just telling you, you're going to do it. You're going you're gonna to sell things to get that $1,000. Like, you and Craigslist need to become best friends. You just start selling everything you know. Get on eBay. Sell stuff. Sell stuff. Like, sell the cat. Sell, don't sell the dog. We love dogs. Sell your cats, though. Like, sell everything until your kids get nervous, right? Because they're next. Like, sell everything that you have, because that's the first step, is you got to get that emergency fund, that $1,000. However you can get it, you get it. And then the second thing, or uh, maybe another way for you is get a second job, like, to get that $1,000. Get a second job. There is no magic bullet to becoming financially free. You either spend less than you make, you get a second job in order to spend less than you make. Like, that's, that's really it. Like, you sell stuff, you get to that point. You know, you cut coupons. I don't know what you gotta do, but you do whatever you gotta do to get that $1,000. And I said coupons, not Groupons, ladies. That's a completely different thing, right? If you come home and say, oh, I got a 50% off of a, of a shiatsu massage that you didn't even know you needed to have, 
You're not saving money. Again, that's spending money. You do everything you have. And then the second step he would tell you to do is the debt snowball. Write it down. The debt snowball. Many of you have heard that before. Maybe you haven't heard that and you say, what is the debt snowball? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is the simplest explanation of it. Take a look. Last video. So I'm praying that some of you would grab a hold of this, that you would get so fired up, that you would get so, you know, passionate about this, that you could see the possibility of what your life would look like being free from debt, being free from, from bondage of debt, from being the, the, the borrower's slave to the, the lender, servant to the lender, that you would understand that having self-control, being able to say no now so that you can say yes for the rest of your life is way better. And being able to understand sacrifice, that giving up something that you love for something that you love even more. And then coming up with a strategy, like Dave Ramsey would say, live like no one else so that you can ultimately one day live like no one else. That you can be free, be different, be crazy for now, just get free. Now I know as soon as we say that, some of you, your eyes kind of glaze over, roll back in your head and you're like, man, I I don't know if I can do any of this. But some of you, you'd even say, I don't want to do any of this. And you're content to live a life of debt and having bills pile up on top of one another after another after another. And you're stuck, so much stress, so much bondage. My heart breaks for you. And we decide that that's how you want to live, live, live your life. And I can't convince you not to live like that. I can't. But I'm praying that God can I'm praying that you would allow him to grab a hold of your heart and understand that this really is a spiritual issue. That this is the the number one indicator of of, of where your heart is. That this really is a great reflection uh, on the, the outside of what's going on inside of your life. That money, and if you can be trusted with what God has given you, with a little, he'll give you more. So what has he given you? And are you taking it? Are you burying it in the ground? Or are you taking it and you're, you're doubling it? You're being a good steward of it. Like, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Are you making the biggest impact that you can? Or are you stuck in bondage? And I'm praying you just get a hold of this. Man, and make some changes. And I know it's tough. These are tough words. I get it. But you got to start somewhere. And this is not about beating yourself up. This is about starting fresh right here and right now. So why don't you bow your head with me tonight? And as God speaks to your heart, as maybe you're convicted about some of these things in your life, man, are you empowered to have self-control? Maybe that's where you start. You need to ask God to, to strengthen you, to be able to say no to some things. Or maybe it's that sacrifice that you need to experience, like letting go of something that, that even is really good right now, that you really enjoy. But you know what? More than that, you enjoy being debt-free. You enjoy being able to make a difference. You enjoy being able to see a need and meet a need in Jesus' name because you can capitalize on the opportunities that he brings your way because you're equipped to do so. Maybe it's sacrifice. Maybe it's strategy, having a plan and just putting it together. Just ask yourself where you are in that. And for those of you tonight, when I talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It says, for the joy he endured the cross. What that means for those of you that are far from God and you just are wandered in here, 
You just need to know that for God so loved you that Jesus came to this earth to be a sinless sacrifice on your behalf. And so he died for your sin. And some of you, you've never accepted that sacrifice that he's, he's paid for your life once and for all. Through his shed blood, he's covered all of our sin. And when we say yes to Jesus and his sacrifice for us and following him, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see any of that. All he sees is his perfect son. For those that are in Christ, the Bible says we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. For some of you, what you need tonight is you just need a fresh start. You need a new beginning. You need to start over. And the way we do that is through accepting that sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. And we do that through prayer. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer right now. If that's you, you can pray this out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Jesus, tonight, I surrender my life to you. Man, thank you so much for your sacrifice covering my sin so that I could experience a life with God, a relationship with him. And today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me new and give me that fresh start. And from this moment on, I promise to do my best to live for you, Jesus, because you are now Lord and you are Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.